Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Hello, friends, and welcome back to a new episode. So glad to be here. I will say, if I had my druthers, I would probably record this week's first and then last week's episode, because what I'm talking about today is kind of the precursor to grieving. And grieving comes from that whole idea that life's rough and bad stuff happens. But today we're going to kind of camp out pre-grieving and talk about the fact that us demanding that life doesn't have risk It's not a thing. Us demanding that life doesn't have pain, it's not a thing. And if we choose to live that way, there's probably three likely ways that it plays out. One, we pay a high price by avoiding risk and pain. Number two, others pay the high price for us because we choose to avoid risk and avoid pain. Or number three, it's most likely a combination of the two things happening. We have to settle on that truth that life involves risk and life involves potential pain. Even just this morning, as I was going out to brunch with a girlfriend, it was such a frustrating turn of events when she's walking into the restaurant, hits a patch of ice, and does a nasty break of her leg. We did nothing to elicit that type of outcome this morning outside of live in Michigan, where sometimes there's patches of ice, and she just touched the ice wrong with her right foot and went down and cracked in two different places. And the really sad part is she has this awesome some trip a week away and instead there's surgery tomorrow because life involves risk and life involves pain and none of us are exempt from that. But if we choose to live as though we shouldn't get hurt, we don't have to hold our own pain. So much consequence can be a result of that and that's why I want to camp out today. Risk happens if you're out there living it. And this has come up in story after story this week. I want to talk about the risk of being pain aversive, the risk of living a life with no risk. And I've talked about that before on the podcast of people who sit in latter stages of life and are lamenting about how things have unfolded because they've been risk aversive. And so I'm sitting with an elderly gentleman this past week, and he was really, really just kind of down in the mouth when I went and visited him this week. And I just said to him, I said, hey, what's going on? Like, usually we have kind of upbeat conversation and he just looked at me and he said, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about how sad I am right now. And I said, well, tell me more about that. What's going on? And he said, I don't know why it's occurring to me, but I'm just so lonely right now. And I know that I chose a totally different life than what I wanted. And so as I'm sitting there talking with him, he's telling me about what happened when he was with his high school girlfriend. Basically, she was his high school sweetheart and she had some kind of character quirks that showed up and she started stepping out on him and she got pregnant. Now he walked with her all the way through that pregnancy. But after that, he was so devastated by it that he basically kind of, he broke off the relationship, which makes perfect sense, but then he moved halfway across the country. And that has been a pattern that has played out again and again with him. And so he experienced something really profoundly sad and painful when he was 19 or 20. And around the same time, he actually lost his father as well. So I know that there were layers of grief going on, but he chose to run away. And that particular pattern, run away and start over, run away and start over, run away and start over, that has played out again and again for him. And along the way, he might get a little close to someone, but not too close, 
because that's been painful for him. So the totality of his relationships all throughout life have been in self-protection mode. And now he's in his 80s and he's sitting there lamenting that he's alone and he's never really lived the life that he wanted to be true. Because we self-protect, because we avoid pain, because we don't like risk. And I get that. Sometimes things feel too much for us, or sometimes we do experience things that are just so overwhelming. So we might decide to give up on core things that we want to be true in the name of safety. And what I'm trying to articulate here today is that doesn't get us where we want to go. To live a life that is risk-free or pain-free, it's not a thing. And if we choose to live that way, there is going to be a cost. So I'm swirling around in my mind with this whole idea after talking to this gentleman this past week. And then I have other client narratives that are starting to really kind of come into the forefront as I think about this. One is a young man that I'm walking with who's on different dating apps. And he's found someone that he really likes. And they've been talking for about a month. They've had several dates. They're really, really liking each other. But he mentioned that she's still on the dating app. And I, I think it's, it's whether it's um, Hinge or Bumble, I'm not even sure. But she still has an active profile. And I said to him, I said, but you only know that because you have an active profile. Well, he said, yeah, because I'm not going to be the one who takes it down first. I feel like a real idiot if this doesn't work out. And I said, so wait a second. She's supposed to take a risk on you. She's supposed to trust this process. But you don't have to experience pain because what if this goes sideways? Then you're not the idiot. I said, that's kind of a really unfair way to start something. She should have the pain. She should be able to navigate. She should be vulnerable, but I shouldn't have to be. That's a really, really unfortunate place to be. No risk for me, no pain for me, or at least less risk for me, less pain for me, but someone else should be vulnerable on my behalf. That's kind of ballyhoo, my friends. But that's not the question I want to ask. There's a connecting question that will kind of weave through all the stories that I'm sharing today. Why is it okay for others to feel pain or deal with pain, but we shouldn't have to? What is that about? Let's walk it out through another client story. I have a client who has reported to me that she has a list of somewhere around 50 things going on in her past that she's profoundly upset about. She regrets, she's lamenting them, she's angry about them things that she's messed up on, things that she perceives to be failures. And so she's telling me that she shares this list with her spouse, and I'm so thankful for her spouse's courage here, because her spouse says, of course you have this list of 50 perceived failures, and we're not allowed to talk about a single one without sending you into some sort of nasty response towards us. Those are 50 things we can't even get close to in conversations with you, because you will blow up at us. So these perceived failures, this pain that she refuses to process, back to last week, this pain that she refuses to grieve, this desire that she not ever feel consequences of the risks that she takes, it festers and it hemorrhages on her spouse and her kids and her friends. And unfortunately, they're all in a tacit agreement to not bring up 50-some topics about her life because she's decided it's too painful for her. So they all get to bear the brunt of her unresolved issues. They all get to kind of tiptoe around her because she will not hold her pain. She will not accept that life has risk. And so I ask her, I say, is that fair? Is this something that you want to work on? And pretty much her answer is no, it's too painful. So we have this abdication of responsibility for handling our own pain, our own emotions, our own struggle. So it gets passed on to a whole host of other people who are now expected to manage it. Now, I get it. Things have been unfair in your story, possibly. I get it. I've lived it. I want to repent of how I've hemorrhaged in other people's stories but I cannot ask others to take away my pain 
And it is not my responsibility to make others' pain better for them, more manageable for them. I will not make it worse, but I can't pull it on myself to be the responsible party for making their pain better. It falls on each of our shoulders to hold our pain. And if we can't, it falls on us to find resources to entrust with our stories so we can learn to get stronger and to hold our pain better. It's why I am such a passionate advocate for mental health and for therapy. Now, to be fair, I am not a tacit endorser of all types of therapy because I think there are some clinicians out there who are just affirming people, and that can be even more damaging. But I am for the type of therapy that says, I see your pain and I will hold it with you and grieve with you while you learn to hold it for yourself, while you learn to grieve, and while you adopt self-agency in your own story. I can do that. But I cannot and I will not sit with a client while they fester pain all over their life and all over their support network and call it okay. I can invite them into reconsidering. It is not other people's responsibility to handle their pain. And I say that conversely, it is not other people's responsibility to handle my pain. Now, this is not a pitch for hyper-independence. I think that is damaging to say no one is supposed to help me. Your pain is not yours alone to hold in the sense that you shouldn't share your story. That's not what I'm saying. You absolutely should share your story, but in safe places, in a context that is healing, but the pain is still yours to hold and we have to hold it or others will be asked to. I promise you that. Others will have to deal with our residual or direct effects by addiction. Others will have to deal with our outbursts, our volatility, us shutting down, us disengaging, us running away. Others will have to read the room to figure out if we're even okay to approach. Now, when I say we'll have to, a lot of this is contingent on if they don't have intact boundaries. But what if they do have intact boundaries? Now they're using boundaries to put distance between us and them because we're not handling our stuff well. It's something to consider. There will be an effect. Often others in our lives will be guilty until proven innocent, and others will have to pay the price for debts they did not incur. And I look at my marriage, and I can see how both of us projected our hurts and our wounds on one another, and neither one of us were willing to hold our own issues, and neither one of us were willing to handle the pain and grieve what was thrust into our lives. And because of that, the whole thing imploded. That's what happens. That's one of the consequences when we don't handle our pain. What's so cool about this is if you decide to handle it, you can be a disruptor. This is why we call intergenerational trauma by that name because it goes through the family line until someone disrupts it, until someone is willing to hold it, call it what it is, give voice to it, express the pain, and start to work on healing it, start to work on self-agency. One of the most beautiful thoughts for if you are a disruptor, I want you to hear me. Disrupting trauma has three separate trajectories that are going on simultaneously. It equips us to handle the present. It also creates an option for those who come after us and witnesses that transformation can be a part of our story. Healing can be a part of our story. It also pays reverence and respect to those who came before us that couldn't do the work, but we are able to. I think it is so neat to understand that healing goes in three directions. It affects my present. It gives options for the future. And it says to those in the past, I hear you and this pain is mine to hold. And we will all experience the benefit of that. Life has risk, my friends. Life has pain. And if we refuse to hold it, there will be a cost. 
Us demanding that we don't have pain, it's not a thing. Us demanding that there's not risk, it's not a thing. And if we choose to live that way, there are three ways that it plays out. Either we pay the price, like my friend who told me about his high school sweetheart. Others pay the price, like my client who has a list of all their failures they're not allowed to talk about in the family, or a combination of the two. And that plays out in so many relationships. Our pain is ours to hold. And a lot of time, it's ours to grieve. And I think we can do the work if we're willing. I lament if we're not able to do the work. I lament even more if we're not willing. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.